Hello and welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. And happy birthday to <laughs> Swizz. He's happy out birthday. getting pissed. <laughs> you can't make this podcast because he ain't give a shit. Did you make that up on the spot or did you write I that did. Down that no, no. I got the only notes I have are my to do list, which um, I haven't done any of. So, hey, <laughs> that's where we are at SC Insider 100. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, all the audio platforms as well Spotify, Soundcast, Stitcher, you name it, and on the YouTube, Chris. Yeah, search for Supercoach Insider. And uh, how was your week, mate? Uh, <laughs> I, I love I love getting up on a Saturday or Sunday morning and seeing a tweet from you being like, you know what, I'm just here to have fun this year because, you know, it's just a write-off oh. and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know how you have, what is it? Um, oh, the cheerleader movie? Bloody, hit me up, Chris. Uh, fight up. No, the no? old school, old, 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 old. Um, oh, bring it on. Yeah, so it's like yeah, be yeah. aggressive, be be. Uh, yeah, it <laughs> it doesn't fit with me, and I have I have tanked to the point where we go, hey, my team looks really good, and then round three, make changes before round three, and then literally, I think every step of the way, I've made some really horrible blunders, dude. So that's it. Our, our team had like one one difference between them at one point, and then you're like tangent. <laughs> 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 oh, it's okay. Look, it's fine. I had a, but, I had a good whinge on my last uh, my team reveal, and then someone's like, like called me George and had a whinge and blah blah blah. And I was like, hey, it's my party. I can cry if I want to. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I think it uh, just goes to show though, like how close it is between having a good team and a bad team. Like, yeah, and I'm still ranked five thousandth, but the issue is that now I've made those mistakes. I'm like, well, I won't have that cash, and I've used trades that I shouldn't have. So as in, yeah. I will, I will die in the ass at some point, but. It's okay. Value train. Tangent. I like it. Value train. I like it. And um, I need to listen to you more, Mr. VCNC, who I uh, neglect. Look, I mean, I don't even – actually, I wonder what my average is now, but um, with Bont, my average would have to be close to 145 or something like that for captains this year. So, yeah, I've um, I've pretty much nailed them. And it's so funny because, like, I did tweet this uh, over the weekend, but someone, someone had a go at me saying the only reason my team's any good is because I keep nailing the captains. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right there. <laughs> like, like, I'll, I'll cop that. I'll cop that one. But you know, hey, look, uh, you, you know, you gotta you gotta win some to to know yeah, what it's about. A, makes a difference. You've done well. So, look, the format for today is we're pretty much going to focus on the specific situations that everyone's at, at the moment. So, going through the rookies, which you know, as in whether they're viable, which rookies you probably want to get rid of, etc. And um, so, who to get rid of? Who's at the point of bringing in? So, going also through, well, you know, which drop premiums you're looking at, which injured premiums you're looking at getting rid of. And then you've got the the awkward situation where you've got guys who are worth money, like your Horn Francis, your Setterfield, your Grundies. And then what do you do with them? And that's yep. us in a nutshell. And the good news is we have most of those problems. So it's going to be easier. So uh, look, where do we start? Ben, do we start in defense and work our way forward? Um, I don't think there's really problems in defense. I suppose the only problem that people are facing is, yeah, do I rookies. try? Yeah, the rookies well, on field in defense is the issue. That's true. That's true. Um, well, I was thinking more like about Jordan Dawson. So, yeah, if you don't have him, are you, you know, breaking the bank to go get him? And he just obviously dropped to seventy-eight. Yeah, you um, wait now. He'll be he'll be dropping back down to earth after the. So he had two monster scores. Yep. So that low score in his cycle will drop him in the next sort of three to four well, weeks, hopefully. He's got a he's got a break even of one fifty. So it just it all rides on this week. 
if he gets a 100, 110, then he's dropping 30K. But because last week, he's he actually made break even last week because his break even was only like 53. He made 10 grand, right? So he's actually gone up. So if this week he posts a good score, so a good score would be say 130 plus, he might only drop 20K. Yeah, and this then, week. And then the one after he'll drop again and then he'll stabilize after that. Well, so he might it, only go back to like 600 flat or either yeah, way, you're, paying, you're I mean. paying up for him. You're paying somewhere north of 600K for him, depending on his next score and his you know, score after that obviously does impact that as well. But um, you know, I think that it's not going to be very common for him to have a negative DTSC ratio like he did on the weekend. So um, just because of his obviously his use, uh, he just ne- had no time and space with the ball in hand and anytime he got it, they were just mauling him to, to, to get the ball out of his hands. So um yeah, I don't see too much of that moving forward. So you may want to pay up for him yeah, as soon as you, you feasibly can. Um, probably waiting a week's got you can yeah, you've got this week anyway, but next week you just might have to bite the bullet and just pull the trigger. Um and there's not too many must haves, but Dawson, Dacos, <laughs> oh, English, Clary at mm. some point as well will be a must have. Yeah. Or English in, well, as in if he doesn't get injured. Yeah and, yeah. and everyone has to get off, he is a must have. Oh, I so, think he's probably a must-have now. I just hate the fact that I don't have him. So I'm oh, just riding that every week. Oh, every week I ride the negative 50-point train just to see if I get close. It's great. And it's funny because you go, hey, we'll go Grundy and we'll save that 100K and then we'll wait for him to drop and Grundy will make cash. Yep. Grundy's made cash, but English has kept on his trajectory and now he's still I, like eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 more. I think I worked out that like I saved myself like if I was to trade in English this week, I saved ten grand by not trading him in. So it cost me a trade and this like the same amount of money minus ten thousand dollars than it would have cost, you know, weeks and, ago when I could have got him in. And the so, points. The points yeah. that go with that ten grand, yeah. And so. now yeah, and now it's like sixty points as well or something stupid. So yeah, that would that's been a nightmare, but we digress. So, um, yeah, so I don't think there's any other like urgency in terms of premiums, in terms of um, you know, causing issues or injury or anything like that. Um, there's a lot of trading targets for premiums in the defense, and that's good because we have a lot of shit rookies in defense. So um, I think we can go through them, but uh, the big one that everyone wants to move on this week is probably McKenna. Um, and I'm for it. I, like He spiked a score with Rich in the team. Don't get me wrong. I think he's had two good scores with Rich in the team, 193 and 184 or something like that. But it seems like they're not using him as he really should be getting used out of coming out of the defense. Often it's just once Rich gets the ball in his hand, the, the ball's going long down the line and it's they're not really doing that whole straight up the middle, which is really what he's he, – like his, his offensive weapon – is his ability to run, carry, and receive, and then keep going with the ball. And they're not really utilizing that, in my opinion. So I just wonder, like, is there a spike game around the corner? Or are we just, like, cut our losses now, break even a 62, like, just move on from him? What are your thoughts on him at the moment being a, a Brisbane man, my, my friend? Yeah, I think there's – you can almost afford to wait a week on a couple of them. Um, and I mean, wait a week is in Sicily is probably the target I'm looking at next week with a break even of, I think, a 111 this week. So that's sort of where I'm thinking you could possibly hold for a week if you could. I don't mind McKenna on field as much. Um, Fremantle's forward line could actually leak quite a few points. But the issue is more that the game style of Brisbane at the moment where, and we've seen it, they're not accumulating heaps of disposals. And even when I think Collingwood played them, the Collingwood had plenty of disposals. And the week just gone, I mean, GWS had plenty of disposals. You look at the scores, 
so many, you know, Kelly, Canelio, they racked up the pill. And then Brisbane, they go, okay, well, once they clear the ball, they're looking to go fast and direct at any possible opportunity to really isolate their forward options, which means that, you know, like your Dunkleys aren't getting as many lead up marks or sideways, et cetera. There's not as many stoppages because they're going so direct. So it's sort of like they're in the middle and it's a little bit of the whole ping pong scenario. And because they're not going backwards and sideways and trying to chip around and accumulate, some of these defenders aren't even accumulating the amount of ball that they could have either. So if he's not the one that's actually linking up to run out of the defensive 50, then it's either going down the line or they're just trying to go really quick, which means that it's it's kind of negating Neil, it's negating Dunkley, it's negating any of these defenders' options as far as getting a lot of the pill. And you need touches to score. Yeah. And look, I'm of one that, um, that believes, you know, someone's got to go. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like you, you do have to upgrade your team. Um, he's pumped out enough average scores that I just don't want to be just waiting around holding on to him, especially if I'm moving on a, up to upgrade a defender. I think defenders are probably the ones that have dropped the most and the most appealing at the moment um, in terms of trading targets. So, um, so yeah, I'd be willing to, to, to pump him out. Um, others that I'd, I'd be looking at holding though, I suppose. So Jones, I know that he um, only posted 53, which was a, a bit of a salvage score out an amazing third quarter, but it has kind of reset his break even back down to 30. So you've got a uh, 28 actually. Um, so you've got another week with him to at least make a little bit more cash and maybe get another spike game. Um, Stocker, even though he had a, a, a poor game again, you can still hold on to him. His, his break evens in the fifties as well. Um, so I don't think I'd pre- I'd be trading him considering how consistent he's been. Um, guys that I also if you held Jinbi, he's kind of reset his break even back down to the fifties, I believe as well. Let me pull up Jinbi. 53, 53, 53. break even. Yep. Yeah. So and he, look, he only lost eight k, even though he scored sixty two. I'm not. He doesn't look nearly as good as he did in the first three rounds. I think he is kind of gassed. Like his spread from the contest is not nearly as good as it was. He's not moving around the ground and demanding the ball in transition or getting marks. Like I, I just noticed that all of his points come from stoppage, which either means he needs to ca- tackle, get a clearance, get a handball. Um, but when he does that, obviously he's under pressure, so it's not necessarily a, a you know a clean, effective disposal all the time. It might just be a hack kick or whatever, um, because he's not able to just get the ball around the ground like he was in those first couple of rounds. So he's also on um, some managed minutes. I noticed his time on ground was very low, especially in the first half. Um, it only really went up once the sub was used. I'm, I'm not even sure that he wasn't necessarily a sub candidate at, at, at one point. Um, so I do worry about him, but you know, you've got a couple of weeks with him. The reason I held him was because I was scared of these um, rookie scores that, that we inevitably all got tanked with. And um, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to hold him because then it'd be better than holding, say, a Wilmot on field or Cowan, which is what I would have had to field it anyway. So I actually did make points there, but then I had to field Roberts in the midfield. I actually looped Roberts with Johnson. So Johnson pumped out 35. I looped him with Green in the midfield because obviously I held Green for the weekend. I was like, oh, well, Roberts will play there. That's fine. Then he pumps out 19. So boom. To be fair, um, Johnson's all about the pumping. He is, yeah. Yeah. Um, so with Roberts, uh, we won't touch on this too much because probably when we get to midfielders, obviously, I think he's probably a hold anyway. Like I know he's probably out four to six, but you just really can't afford to be wasting trades on making generating 20K. Um, and you've got to just try and make money elsewhere. Like 
unfortunately. Like he probably comes back later in the year, maybe around the buyers and saves us. So um, you don't want to be the guy that traded out Matt Roberts. He comes back in like, you know, round 13 when we absolutely need him or, or round 14 when we need him. Um, yeah. So we'll see about that. Uh, Wilmot. Now, he obviously has you know dropped his scoring since uh, Rich has come back, and obviously he's moved a little bit back up to the wing. I notice he still does get around the stoppage at times, but he just doesn't get enough of it. What's your read on Wilmot at the moment, mate? Because he's got a break even of 38, so you could probably hold him another week, but he's not really making much more cash. So would you trade him if you just needed to trade someone? Yeah, I don't mind him as the someone to go down. He could spike a good enough score. I, I do like his running. And he does push up the ground quite a bit. But the issue is that if they're, you know, same situation where if they're going too quick, sometimes as a winger, you're near the ball and then you're trying to run and catch up. He does work really hard and actually provide an option, but sometimes they just ignore him. Because if you're looking at other options, Brisbane haven't really been playing the smartest as far as looking for the guy running in. They're just kind of looking for, oh, Brisbane, they'll turn around and run to the goal square or they'll try and lead up. And they just kind of have that real tunnel vision. But I do yep. like the work rate. He's working hard, which is why I think he keeps his job. Um, I'm almost inclined to hold him for a week as well and then get rid of him and McKenna, say, next week if they don't perform. Um, I know there's not as much money to be made, but I honestly think Cowan's pretty much capped. Like, yeah. He, you know, with, with Doherty out, you'd expect him to do better, but then now he comes out and scores, was it like a 35 or something or other? And, yep. you know, like Sin Cotter's looked much better in that defensive line. And I just keep waiting for Cowan to kind of give me a good score. And it hasn't happened. Wait, yeah, waiting for so, a spike game that's never coming. Yeah. Um, so no, I completely agree I'm, with you on Cowan. Yeah. So that's the part I'm tossing up. Do I try and free off like a, a Wilmot, give myself the extra 50K cash, or do I go, hey, well, Cowan's a spud and just free up that, you know, 85,000 or whatever and then move on? couple of things on Cowan. I actually traded him last week. Um, I just saw the writing on the wall. Um, Carlton just don't look like they use him at all. They've got enough talent in their defensive half. It's funny because all the other d- defenders are absolutely mopping up the pill like it's going out of fashion, playing chip to chip, but they just don't seem to want Cowan involved in that, which is just an odd thing for a start. Um, Punish but- the grommet. Yeah, Sincotta, they trusted a little bit more, Matt. Is that because that they're he's a little bit more mature age? I don't know. But um, then you go, okay, well, Sincotta right now seems pretty good. What happens when Saad comes back? Who goes out? There's a chance that Cowan doesn't even make it. So I, I, based on what I saw from Sincotta, they seem to trust the ball in his hands a lot more than what they do Cowan. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Cowan has been has had moments of absolute brilliance during the season. Just the, the sheer attack on the ball and the way he plays his football – Love it. Absolutely love it. I'm not sure. I know that they were obviously tossing up between the two of them leading into round one. Does this audition for the next two weeks mean that Cowan's out of the team in two weeks? So we yeah. may not even get if to see that. If he performs that. at AFL level, then it's yeah. like, hey, mate, sorry. And and the issue could be is that, you know, Sin Cotter's done his time. He's more mature to kind of yeah. handle the scenarios and situations that are thrown at you in game yep. and it's you know, different players. So I'm obviously just speculating completely, but some of those other older players that are like, Hey, this new kid and this young gun or whatever, they might just sort of bypass a little bit as far as, especially, you know, Carlton's under the pump at the moment too. So. Yep. And what's worse for Carlton and this is, this is shit, but that, I mean, they've got a, you know, basically a guaranteed win over in West coast and for, well, no, I wouldn't say guaranteed, but pretty easy run over there, but then they've, they've, their fixture really sucks. 
They play Brisbane, Bulldogs, Pies, Sydney, Melbourne, Essendon, all in a row. Like those are those are six losable games from Carlton. Um, and considering the form that they're in, maybe they want to get a, a more seasoned body in there. The good news is with Sincotta, so I wouldn't be going early on Sincotta, but you one side get hopefully he's you know he's listed as one to two. He might come back this week, might be next week, but we should be able to see whether or not that his job security is reliant on Saad or if they're happy to play him over Cowan. And then they might, he might get an extended run of, say, six, seven games, just like um, Cowan did. So um, I'm open to that from the, you know from next week, but we will have the information week three to be able to make that decision. There is no chance of me going early on a Sincotta just to generate an extra 20K or something like that. So I agree. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Wait, 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 is the one. Yeah. yeah no, wait. So, so you're, you're, you're in for trading Cowan then? Yeah, yeah, I'm in for training Cowan, and you'll get a better idea when teams are named too. So I don't mind it. If I don't need that 50K directly, I am aware that it just buys a week for Wilmot who might spike a score where I don't think that's coming from Cowan. So if he spikes a score, awesome. If not, then Wilmot uh, and McKenna are probably in my plans for next week with, you know, Sin Cotter hopefully, and then going and getting Sicily. So that's where it it fits in for me. Both of the other break-evens, I'd say Wilmot 38 break-even, McKenna 62, I don't think it's dire that you get rid of them because they're still better on field than Cowan. Yeah. Um, so tr- defender trade-ins in terms of uh, yeah. rookies, I suppose we'll just quickly touch on that. I mean, obviously... We've um, already said the, Wagner the, is... is yeah, um, so, so Wagner and um, and Mitchell. I mean, Mitchell's obviously by, by far and away the easiest trade-in target you'll have this year. He's is a defender he? forward. Yeah, I think so. Is he though? Like... As in, I've I've spoken to a few like Hawk friends and stuff as well. Like, uh, you know, Long's going out for um, yeah, for Day coming in, right? But when you have a look at um, oh, what's his name? Bloody the sub from last week. I can't believe I, uh, Scrimshaw. Scrimshaw had like a toe yep. injury last week, which is I think where um, you know, where Seamus got his game from, right? So you know, Day was out and Scrimshaw injured his toe. Bang, Seamus is in. And Seamus has performed exceptionally well. So I'm trying to work out yeah. who comes out then because if if they made Scrimshaw sub and now he's got a bit of game fitness, I'm a little bit worried as to where Seamus fits in. Yeah, and look, I think that the problem with any rookie that comes in now is that they're all sub risks. Yeah. They were all, they're all not best 22. So here's the thing. Like this was – Say that to Van Ruin, hey? Right? Bloody yeah, well, in my true. existence. <laughs> but – yeah, this was we all knew that this was going to happen. Is that after the first round of rookies, everyone that comes in is basically on borrowed time, so you can only make the best decision that you have with the information available, which is why we all jumped on Johnson and Roberts, right? Knowing that they were sub risks, knowing that their job security wasn't the best, but also knowing that they're the best of a, a bad situation, you just kind of have to um, if you got to generate cash somehow, right? So that's what I feel like with Mitchell. If he gets named for a third game, his BE is that oh, good. That doesn't matter. If he gets a name, you have to. And it's the yeah. like it, better than Van Ruin because Hawks are so bad and there's no yep. one really kind of forcing him out other than like, you know, Scrimshaw, but they could easily reschedule some of their team. So if he gets named, I'm bringing him in. Yeah. Um, I'm just a little bit worried about Scrimmy, but the, that's pretty much the only objection as far as longevity. But again, as we've yep. seen with Van Ruin, if they perform well enough and Van Ruin was two to three minutes away from not scoring well, and getting subbed out of the game and possibly being dropped, which is a, it's a fine line because I don't think Ben Brown and uh, McDonald performed that well in VFL either. 
So the commentator's like, oh, yeah, they, they did well. But I'm like, well, no, because Ben Brown kicked like four behinds and Mitchell, uh, sorry, McDonald kicked one three. And they lost the game because they were inaccurate and they lost the game because they didn't play well. So, you know, it, it, yeah, it's a fine line. But if they have a low break even and they get a game, you just have to take a risk because I didn't go Van Ruin and next minute he's made like 100,000 plus. They now have a soft draw coming up and he's in that side. So, yeah, two yeah, to three minutes, so. 18 super coach and subbed would have been possible. <laughs> next minute, 80 uh, yeah. super coach, I was large. shocked because I, I missed that first two and a half quarters of the game. And then um, I was like, what's going on with Van Ruin? I was blowing up. I didn't, luckily I didn't have him on field. Oh, well, unluckily now, I guess. He nearly won Ab's magic or the Scodfather uh, against um, Supercoach Mama. And she was like, oh, loving life. He was on 18 next minute, like goal, 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 goal. It was Chandler <laughs> versus Van Ruin. And she pretty much nearly lost it. Well, do, do you know what happened there? So they actually, they subbed out um, one of their rucks who was yeah. Ben Miller. And then they moved Bolter from playing on Van Ruin to um, Tyler Young playing on him. And he just tore Tyler Young a new one. Like, how bad would you – okay, well, uh, that, that's a – they lost – I would say that one of the reasons they lost that game was that substitution and that change. That's pretty crazy to, to about, consider about, that. Speaking of backwards. defense, what about Sicily being on the bench when they lost the game? Oh, no, oh. that was – that's cooked, man. That's, yeah, that's, apparently that's he was near AFL the bench. Investigation shit. Apparently he was near the bench and then went off for a rest and then it just so no. happened the to be the captain does end. not go off. The end of the game. game. No, no, best mate. Defender. I'm, I'm best sorry, defender. mate. There's no way he doesn't know what this what's happening. He just and he just goes off for it. No, no, don't don't laugh. That's Honestly, well, I did say how to, is, how to say you're tanking without tanking, but anyway, it's no, no, it, that's that's a hundred percent tank. Like I, I think we all know that you know that they, they they don't necessarily they want the top pick, right? That's fine, right? They've but had you can't close actively losses. tank in game. That's different, and that to me was like actively tanking in game. He was Just tired, Chris. You can't, you can't, nah, yeah, you can't investigate being tired. <laughs> I'll look at his time on ground and then compare it to the rest of his time on grounds for the past however many years. And then you can tell me, okay, well, so what? He's, what, what is he, 90 to 96% time on ground, right? Very when high. Was the la- like, when was the last time Sicily was off the field in the last five minutes of a game decided by under a goal? Never. When he was forward. That's probably the only time he was, he was off <laughs> the ground. They needed to kick a goal, yeah. Um, all right, let's move uh-huh. on. Um, anyway, yeah, so, yeah, um, so defenders. Wagner. So, Wagner. So the problem with Wagner is the same thing, right? So Chapman might, um, has a Chapman. potential impact, Heath Chapman. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Has, it's true, he's true, a mainstay in that back line. So, so yeah, the he problem replaced, is he replaced um, bloody Wilson, and Wilson pretty much got yeah. told to go back and get some form <laughs> because he wasn't well. So I think Wilson's done. Yes, and you're but right. Chapman's though, Chapman, been injured and he's coming back. I think he's one week away. He could even be back this week. Um, he's very tall, though, Chapman. No, he's not. He's like a classic is one. He? I think he's like a high one eighties, like low. Yeah, let's have a look. I will find out for you right now. I was thinking, now. Like, like, Wilson's not that tall, though, so this is possible. Height. Chapman comes into that team, though. That Chapman, has to be Chapman's, one, Chapman's 193, so he's not, like, super tall or anything like that. He's just a, a classic sort of plays. halfback. Plays either yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Yeah, he, he definitely comes into that best 22, though. You don't leave Chapman out. Oh, I, think, I think that's the thing. I think Chapman's good enough that they go, okay, well, we'd rather play Chapman um, rather than Wagner. And don't get me wrong, I think I'd if I was in a position to potentially double downgrade and his name this week, I'd probably still take a punt on Wagner anyway because 
you know, mature body. Um, he's got a lot of confidence with the ball, even though he's he obviously had a yeah a bit of a, a mare in that first yeah. one. Um, but I think that you know they obviously trust him with it because he was taking kickouts, and I'm like, what's going on here? You've got you got Luke Ryan and Hayden Young there, and Corey Wagner's taking kickouts, and I was just I was like, only Frio could do this. Honestly, they just have no idea. I think they're also tanking from Wemben Yama as well. I think um, Walker, Walker probably makes way because I don't even know who Walker is. <laughs> and he literally, he's back flank. B Walker. Who is this guy? Should I know this guy? Uh, Brandon Walker. So Brandon Walker makes way for Chapman. Brandon Walker makes way for Chapman. And then Wagner probably stays on the bench because usually you have at least one extra defender that rotates off the bench, as in a lot of the teams sort of do. So. Yeah, that's probably where I'd be going. I don't mind. I don't mind Wagner to be honest. I'd prefer. Yeah, him. as I said, I would say he's, he would be my second pick. Like if let's say for example Mitchell doesn't get named, but Wagner does, I'll just go Wagner. Like I'm not upset with it. Like I'll be okay with it. He might be a dead rookie for the rest of the year, but you know how many of those do we have? There's also Johnson. Like does he maintain this game? You know, do they switch things around, get another rotation through? Personally, I thought Johnson has played very well, even though his scoring hasn't been there and he hasn't got enough of the pill. But what he's done with the pill and his attack on the ball, et cetera, has been fantastic. Looks like a really good big-bodied um, rookie in there, but we'll see. So, I didn't so bring yeah, him I don't in. mind. Yeah. I didn't bring so him So those in. are oh. probably the – are they the two best rookies this week probably? I don't know that's, that that's – That's a, it. They, yeah, they, no, are, they are the rookies as far as – yeah, unless you're going early. Um, I think they're pretty much where it's at. Now, the good thing to note as well, Seamus is also a forward defender. So if you do have a forward that you need culling – then you can still use him. And the good thing is that you can also then flick him with, um, if you still have Sheasel, then that's the ver- um, the options you have. Or if you get in like a Harry Himmelberg yep. or something coming up, then that defender forward status helps. Yes. So I suppose that leads into our premium uh, trading target. So uh, there's pretty much four that I've been throwing up. And you can tell me if there's any others that sort of fit into this mold. But Please make me throw up. Go on. Um, so Will Day is the one I'm probably bringing jumping on um but the others are Sisley um Sinclair and uh and Himmelberg if I wanted to really like go sort of left field and just trust that process it depends on what the coach says too hey and where he's named although they don't really name them in the right spots but Himmelberg could be someone if the coach says hey like yes Taylor's out and we need we took Himmelberg back in the defense and that secures it up so we're probably looking at a Riccardi or something in the forward line then you go okay awesome um, because he's the tall marking intercept player that probably replaces Taylor in some capacity. Uh, yeah, so uh, with Riccardi, he's actually uh, one of the only guys who performed um, last week. So I had a look at the VFL stats, and um, the Lions um, absolutely smacked him. I think it was like 80 points or 90 points in the VFL. But uh, Riccardi kicked four goals too and had 20 disposals and 13 marks. So he actually played really, really well. Um so yeah, is he coming in? You know that that's the logical thing. So the other thing is, of course, Lee Kalir, who's you know mooted as you know a future uh, piece in their defensive half. Um, he got injured, so he's apparently out for two weeks. So that kind of leaves them with only really one move, unless they want to say rejig things um, around down in the defense. But Sam Taylor's obviously out for eight to twelve. Now the thing is, is it a two week fix? Is it an eight week fix? Is it a ten week fix? Do you have enough trades to be going on like a jump on Himmelberg for, let's say it is for eight weeks or 10 weeks or whatever. Do you have enough trades to bring him in to bring him out? That's, I just did that with Grundy for three weeks or whatever. 
and I'm regretting it hardcore. So I'm probably not going to be pulling that trigger because I just don't know what they're going to do. And it could be um, the old Tex Walker scenario of the you know last year. Uh, was it last year or the year before? And it could also be yeah, with you starting, weeks, say, yeah. yeah, so you start all starting someone like a Ridley where it sounds like a good idea and I'm going to have trades and then next minute, by the time, he, yes, he's doing well and he might make you a little bit of cash and then you get to that point and then if you have something pop up, something pop up, something yeah. else happen. And that's and the same with sudden, me this week. Yeah. yeah. Or you go, oh, injury, 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 or bad trade like Tukin, Robertson, yeah, error, 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 right? So user error. And then you get to a point you're like, oh, I actually don't have many trades now, yet I still know I have to get rid of this guy because when he changes role, he's going down, which is yep. where we sit with Grundy. Um, which we'll get into, but its role will dictate. So you're like, I got this guy in knowing that I'm going to have to get him out. Now he's at the top of the hill with a higher break even, and yep. you're like, oh, uh, the options that I want to get are still expensive, and you, you're stuck. Like so it the sucks. Flip, flip side to that is contract year for Himmelberg. Obviously, he's one of the highest you know, touted free agents this year. Um, he's... Played okay forward. Don't get me wrong, he's, he's not terrible. He's probably their best forward, but that's not saying much because he averages 10.7 touches per game and 1.3 goals per game. It's not He's not exactly lighting the world on fire, yet as a centre-half back, some would say, and some have said, and the coach has said, Adam Kingsley had said, he, yeah, when he went back there last year, he proved that he's a, a all-Australian calibre centre-half back. Is he an all-Australian calibre centre-half forward? I would say absolutely no, no way, nowhere, nowhere close to it. So if I'm smart, and I think I'm pretty smart, and I'm a footballer who's a bit part forward, who you know, I'm an important piece in a in a you know, contending team, or a shit piece in a GDWS that's not able to deliver the ball to him. Um, what's my contract value worth as a forward? Now let's flip that. If I'm an All Australian centre half back, what's my contract value worth now? Very different scenario. I would argue that he's worth much more in terms of a contract year, going behind the ball and showing what he can do there for the next however many games for the rest of the year. Let's say it is eight to ten, and then he goes. Actually, I'm going to play in defence now. That's going to be my thing. Me and Sam Taylor are going to hold this down, which is probably better for GWS. They've got the cattle up front. They don't really need him there. They really need ball movement, transition, and to get the ball from defence to attack better and cleaner and he has one of the most penetrating kicks in the team so yeah i that's me personally i mean also that's my glass half full approach to that trade if i had heaps of trades and i was like look i'm gonna take a fly here do a double upgrade get like day and himmelberg in and you know like i've got the cash sitting there and i can you know get one premium up on everybody else that's that's a move that can you know, really widen the gap on, on other people that can only do a single trade or something like that, single upgrade. So it's ballsy and it's not saying it would work, but it's, yeah, that's a balls to wall, abs magic, yeah, Abdul kind of trade. Uh, on the flip side, now, if I'm cheap and I'm, <laughs> and I am GWS, if it's I'm, free, it's you. I'm playing him forward so his contract's not worth as much. <laughs> that's true. Like, yeah, hey, dude, contract uh, talks to the idea. So you're only worth 1.3 goals a game. You know, that's like 30 bu- thirty goals. You know, I can get a VFL yeah. player for that. <laughs> exactly. Hey, yeah, we'll give you 400,000 um, to, <laughs> to stay to stay here. Now, no, I agree. And if, if 
Or he could just be saying, yeah, I'm happy to play forward and then go, cool, I'm out. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, because he said, oh, I'm happy to play forward. I'll do that, you know, for the team. And we had a talk and he says he sees me playing forward and I agree. It's like, cool. Well, six more games of data says you probably aren't enjoying life, mate. Like, as in <laughs> you need to go and play to your strengths. And I mean, Sicily tried to be forward. Um, no one remembers Sicily forward. It was painful. So I think there's definitely some scope there. Uh, I'm interested in him. I, if you have a draft league, I'd be very interested in him as well. That's pretty much where we're at. Uh, we need to move Absolutely. on because the defensive line, it, it's great and all. Who else is on your target or is that it? That's your hit Yeah, so, so Will Day is obviously coming back from suspension. Um, I think he's going to be good enough to be, say, a D6 option. I think he probably averages anywhere from, say, 95 to 105. Um, so it's not a lights out selection by any chance, but he's also 100K cheaper than the other guys that we're talking about in, say, Sicily and Sinclair, who are both averaging about 100. And both don't, they're both sort of roll capped right now. Like I looked at um, um, Sicily's stats again from the weekend another 11 marks, another negative DTSE ratio, another game where he's going backwards and sideways more than going forwards, and limited kick out opportunities. And I'm just like, is he really going to be averaging, like, is he really like 110 plus? No way. So what is he anyway? 95 to 105 anyway. Is that where we see Sicily for the rest of the year? Okay, well, if that's the case, you may as well get Day for 100 grand cheaper. Sinclair's the one that has an upcoming schedule that is really, really nice. From round nine, his, his schedule opens up dramatically. And I just go, well, I probably do want him sometime in the next three weeks. Do I want him right now? If I don't, if I pass on day, the value in him is gone and next week you may as well get Sinclair anyway. So it's like, if you're going to get one in this week and you're coin flipping between them all, you've only got one chance to get day at 450K. That's it. So you have to bring him in this week if you think he's any any good. Other than Are that- you, You're not worried go. about role changing at some point? Because- uh, No, not with him. And I know that, you know, Mitchell has- basically just loves to change people's roles and I, I get that. But the the thing that's holding me steady with that is that, that he flagged at preseason. They went into the preseason game. He obviously played that role in the preseason game. Then he had that injury that set him back. So the first game out, he only had like 27% CBAs or something like that. And then basically that was a run-in game. So the next game, that shot right back up and he was the number one midfielder across the next, um, th- was it three games or two games? That he played three games, I think. So, are you talking about the preseason where you didn't believe me, Chris? And I said that he's playing. I was like, no, he's like like, inside. Yeah, he might play wing. And yeah, so I mean, so we've had enough evidence across preseason, across games this year, and across coach talk, the coach talk that you just go, okay, well, if it if it doesn't work out, then cool, whatever. But at least the the value is in the price anyway. Like obviously, the value is in the price at three sixty k. Didn't know that. Also, what you don't know is can they score it? At the, like, it's all good playing inside midfielder, but can you score playing as an inside midfielder? And the the result is absolutely yes, he can. And so that's the difference. You know, guys have like John Newcomb. Have you noticed the switch in Newcomb the last two weeks? Killed it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I think as far as when Day's playing, Day's probably a better user. So I think he's freed up a little more. Yep. Newcomb is a little bit more, I guess, uh, accountable. More, I don't know if he's being more defensive, but when you look at the scoring, Newcomb wasn't really setting the world alight and Day was going massive, whereas yep. all of a sudden Day's out 
and then you have like Nash or these other players coming in to play a role or whatever they're doing. Newcomb's gone well. Like we're talking, I think, 110, yeah. 120 the last two weeks. There's like four role players in that midfield and then there's Will Day. And that's the difference. And he's also a very good tackler. So he's their best user, I think, in the midfielder by a fair a fair stretch. I agree. Um, like he can he can get a ton on twenty two disposals. There's no chance any of the other guys in that midfield have got a chance of getting a ton with twenty two disposals. Unfortunately, maybe Newcomb with his you know, high tackle threshold can you know bump that. But you know Day does get obviously a lot of tackles as well, and I think that that's a staple in the Hawks midfield. Is that at very least you know you're going to get a you're going to get a rough day when you're playing them because they're going to tackle, oh. they're going to apply pressure. So. A rough um, day. No segue in the aggressive tackles. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. um, so, so yeah. I, I look, I'm okay with day. And as a D6 selection, I just – you know what else I'm doing? Uh, everybody should be doing because you're looking at your team going, how am I going to get full premium with this team? Uh, you've got to hunt the value where it's there. Like day is value, right? Canelio is value. Like, yes, these guys you know, are inconsistent at times or whatever it might be, but at the end of the day – no and they intended. both have well, they both have a high ceiling. It's as clear as day and night, <laughs> right? And it, it's just like, okay, well, who else is presenting that sort of value? Where are you going to save that hundred grand, that hundred fifty grand? Who are you going to be limping to to get to a four hundred grand D six later, and just you know stretching at a guy? You know, Bush Bush Mills, mate. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the old uh, Irish whiskey. It's um, it's also a Burgundy cask. It's not bad. Ooh. You just keep rambling, mate. We haven't even moved on. It's 40 I'm minutes Ron on defense. Burgundy. 40 Sorry, minutes uh, on defense. So I'm now drinking. Well, That's I do th- I do think that um that they're the probably probably the most traded in because the rookies are the ones that you're probably most trading out. So um we've already touched on the other guys. So I suppose we do move into midfield. The big one's obviously Took. So a lot of people traded Took in last week. I was one of those people. Were you? Did you bring in Took this, this yeah, week? Yeah, I brought in Took and Roberts. It was a lovely week. <laughs> so did I. I brought in Roberts and Johnson and Took. Um, thinking I was. Did you play Filippo like, on, on field as well? Or did yeah, you I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same. yeah. Well, and so um, we'll get to that. I, I will. I do want to touch on Filippo later. So, so that's probably the biggest issue in the midfield right now. Um, also, who to trade out? Who to trade in? You traded out Setterfield last week. Probably a good move. However, I mean, his break even hasn't really moved the needle with his 76. I do want to touch straight away on, on Setterfield, though. That Can I say quickly, yep. before you go on to Setterfield, Swizz also dumped Setterfield, I believe, in the Took train. And I, I feel like we have upset the goat. Now, <laughs> I ca- That's probably what happened. I caution you, if you get rid of Setterfield, Chris, bad things will happen. Well, I won't be getting rid of him this week. I'm likely getting him rid of him next week. He'll become Clary next week. Oh, do not out. break someone else. So the thing, I was actually shocked with how bad I think he was handled in terms of his role um, yesterday. So I thought that they were actually, he was their best midfielder in the first quarter by a long way. He had, I think, nine or 10 touches, few tackles, 35 very clean inside. Something like that. Killed it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, like 30, 30. 32 or 33 super coach in that first quarter. He was absolutely killing it. He was everywhere. Um, and then his role shifted. Now, his role shifted a few times as well, which is annoying. So um, he basically became a a wing floating, a, a defensive wingman, was in at stoppage at times. But when he was in at stoppage um, in the CBA, he's taking men on um, either Tom Mitchell or uh, Jordan Degoe. And when he was on Degoe, he killed him on the spread. Absolutely. There was there were times where 
I'm like, you know, Setterfield and Dugowie are basically, you know, running next to each other. Dugowie knows he's going to receive. I know that I can see that he's going to receive the ball. And just Setterfield just can't go with that, that those pacey players. He's not, he's, that's not his forte, right? They stuffed it up from the get-go because Pendlebury gave them a bath in that midfield, and that was the matchup. It should 100% have been Setterfield against Pendlebury. I don't know. Like that's the most obvious matchup that I could have a look at. Then Pendles isn't going to beat you on the spread. You could obviously yeah, negate him inside. Titch. Yeah, like that's and then Shield Shield on like someone with pace. On yes, to go. Abs- it might have been better. That's exactly so. Parish should have been on Titch. You should have had you should have had um, uh, Shield on Dugowie and just gone. All right, shake hands. Who's going to get the most out of their attacking mid? That's what I would have done, and then negated negated um, penalty at stoppage. All of a sudden, you've you've leveled the playing field in the midfield, and I just went, "What's what? What is the purpose of of trying to stop Dugowie out of the centre bounce? Like he's he's not the best. He's a don't get me wrong, he's a, he's an all right clearance player, but he's not the best centre bounce midfielder in that team. He's I would say not even close. Um, so yeah, I, I just thought that that was bad. And then what happened was when Laverde went off injured and then eventually got subbed. They actually moved Setterfield behind the ball. And I was just like, what, what are you doing? He ended up with 58% CBAs because Hobbs took all of the CBAs in the last quarter and he was not around the ball. And then they were just got, they just got, and you wonder why they got smacked. Well, because the goat wasn't playing midfield. So, you know, you've only got one person to blame. I'm not saying it's the goat. I'm saying it's maybe the coach. And that's what I want to say. Um, So, yeah, speaking um, of Dugowie, yeah. uh, on that segue, 511,000. Did he go up this week? Um, yeah, I think he got 110 or something, 111. Kicked a couple of goals and had you know, 20 he's, on, he's 20, kicked, He scores on. well when he kicks goals. I think there was a game that's, he didn't score. We said that, yeah. However, there was one game he didn't kick any goals, got like three behinds and scored a 130-odd. Yes. So where, where do you sit as far as – because the, the top – echelons aren't screaming out like they normally do. No. Now there's value where you go, hey, soft draw after, you know, it's coming into the buy, merits, parish, these guys you would assume to go 110, 115, maybe on the soft run. Um, is it hard to ignore? Because I've been telling everyone, don't go to Goey. And then he just pulls out another 110, but again, still kicks two goals. But at what point, I feel like it's almost my luck where I say, Goey sucks, don't get him. Day doesn't have the body to handle a full season in midfield, and he'll probably also go 100. Yeah, there's a few things to just you know, break down with Dugowie that I don't love him as an option for a few different reasons, but one of them is his body's never been reliable anyway. So invariably, he's going to cop a knock and, and be out for a couple of weeks. That's just Dugowie in a nutshell, I think. He's, or an illness. Right, yeah, <laughs> which, yeah, 100%. So his body's unreliable. His scoring's unreliable. He needs to, you know, as as we've we've seen, he needs to kick goals to, to you know, sometimes crawl to a decent score. And we've seen in the past that he just has games where he can go, they have a really low floor and he just butchers everything. Um, is this year a year where he's completely turns it around? The one thing working in his favor is the way that the Pies are dominating Supercoach scoring. So they're the number one Supercoach scoring team over the first six rounds. So, um, and I think the number two team is Essendon, which was why it was a, a weird round on the weekend. Um, but yeah, so they take up more of the pie than anybody else, which means there's more points to go around. So they get more scaling because they're also winning, et cetera, et cetera. So those, you know, the actual model of Supercoach works in Dugowie's favor. He does a lot of things that are impact, et cetera. So um, do I think he's a top anything midfielder? The only reason that he might be is because midfielders suck this year. 
that is literally it. So do you want to jump on a value mid like Dugowie? Maybe, but I think they were better options with better scoring history, with better injury profiles. And a better ceiling. Yeah. So no, not for me. I mean. No, me neither. I, I, I am, did see someone tweet and reply to a comment to a tweet from like two weeks ago. And then someone calling him a pod. I'm like, mate, he's 13% now. That's not a yeah, pod. Yeah, a lot of the top like 1% unique, have him. Unique, yeah. yeah, not a pod. No. I don't consider 13% um, a pod. No. And look, I, I'm, I, I, yeah, I just, I just don't see. He's not one, a guy that's going to kill you anyway, right? What, what's he going to average? Best case scenario, 110? Where is Which that? Which is where we feel like, say, a, a Tom Green can average. Like, I'm not exactly upset about it. I just like, eh, that is what it is. We'll just, we'll deal with that as it comes. Um, so uh, yeah, out of all that, I would say there are some midfield trading targets that I'm looking at heavily. So if you don't have Laird, you can possibly get to Laird. He's probably bottomed out. Is he going to be, he's not, a lot of these guys don't have break evens. It's going to blow you away anyway. Like Laird's not going to blow you away. Even if he goes 150, he might only go up 10, 15 K like, Whatever, uh, no one really cares. Break even of one hundred and three, so I think generally it's about five k per ten points over, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So if he goes, so goes one hundred and fifty, then that's like it's about only going up twenty five k. Twenty, yeah, yeah. But that's that's still up to one. That's up to six hundred and sixty k. That's a little bit then. So at the yeah. moment, six thirty four k with a hundred break even. What's more impressive with Laird though is that the fact he did have such a poor first game, and then you look at his average. He's actually averaging you one eleven point five for the season. Yeah, considering considering he stunk it up with a fifty in yeah, round one, five five round average is like one hundred twenty four. So if you if you consider that as like his what is what is going at, you, you know that's not too bad. He's not having a, a terrible year. Imagine those like um, he's not rid having of him. a year like last year, but he's not having a terrible year. Um, I think the addition of Dawson, the extra attention that Dawson's now getting, has helped him considerably. Considering. Considering his tackle numbers down and his his efficiency is down, and so there there are quite a few categories of which Laird's not excelling, but just his ability to purely rack up the pill and have little to no attention now means that he's able to maintain that somewhat. It's almost the the titch factor where he's getting lots of the ball and he's the one that opens them up, so he gets the hard ball and then opens them up, but he's not really damaging with his disposal. Generally, it's the guy that he gives it to that can be damaging with that disposal. So I don't mind, you know, uh, as far as Dawson getting attention because Dawson can get the ball and also damage you on disposal. Yeah. So it's like if if Laird gets it, give it to a butcher, don't give it to Dawson. And if Dawson's yeah. getting that hard ball, well, then you want to snuff him as soon as he gets it. Because well, The other Dawson thing is, of is, course, Adelaide are actually pretty good as well. Yeah. So so they're winning games, winning more Super Coach Pie, you know, so he actually has larger chunk to 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 reach from. So and I put yeah. that down to Dawson's impact in the midfield going forward, but then also how dynamic that forward line is. So you look at the improvement of, say, Rochelle and a few of those others, Rankin coming into that mix too. Yep. I, I just think that they're a very dynamic team where they'll still lose games 100%, but when they're up and going, they look dangerous. And they actually yep. look enjoyable to watch as well. So go figure. Um, I do agree. So the other two, that, and I'll put these guys side by side, very similar in price. Um, I think potentially very similar output towards the end of the season, and that's Josh Kelly and Zach Merritt. Um, I had a bit of a chat with uh, Grimo in uh, one of our Supercoach chats um, later on this afternoon, and I 
uh, talked to, he was going for Kelly and I said, well, maybe look at merit, mate. And he said, oh yeah, sell me on merit. So I did a bit of a deep dive and I've been on merit train for a bit, but basically the reason why I want merit is from, uh, I think it's round nine or round 10. Round 10, Richmond. Yeah. His, his draw is insane. Over that stretch from that round 10 to the end of the year, he still plays West Coast and North twice out of that on that run. And it just goes, like, it completely opens up from a midfielder scoring perspective. Um, whereas, and and I think after the bye, so they have the round 14 bye, I want to say, they they travel that week to free, to Optus Stadium. They play Frio away. So a, a game that he should score well in anyway. And then after that game, they only travel one more time outside of Victoria, and that's to uh, Giant Stadium um, in round 23, which means that he has you know, basically a however many game run, I think, in that gap. So what's that? Like a seven-game run in Melbourne. One of them's at um, uh, at, at Geelong. Um, but outside of that, there's you know, four or five Marvel Eight games in a row and, and the G. And yeah, so you know, everything's working towards Merritt's favour in that regard. Now, what we do know as well, Merritt's a back half season merchant, absolutely has been for three, four years. I just do see a different Merritt this year. I, th- I honestly think that he stepped it up. And so, and Essendon have two, they're winning more of the pie. He should be able to average more. I think he's only averaging, what, 107 at the moment. Um, but he did have a tag in round one that took him to, a, I think, a 91 only or something like that. Um, 92, so, yep. Yeah, so even that tagged game still was able to put out a half-decent score. So if no longer capitulating to the tag and pumping out a 50 or a 60 like he used to, he's still working his way through it. The addition to Setterfield means he doesn't have to play as defensive. He's he's used as that outlet. He's the guy that they want to get the ball in the hands with when they're transitioning. And their ball movement at Essendon is just, has just gone leagues ahead of where it was the last few years. So I love Merritt as an option. That's who I'm probably doing. Josh Kelly... Just the role. We he's just yeah, you know, Paramount CBAs. He's just gonna get it and he's gonna score. And like you know as well, that you're kind of over onto the Kelly train at the moment. But um both of them, you know, they might average similar. Let's say one fifteen ish, you think? Maybe a bit more. I think Merrick probably less. goes a bit more. Kelly maybe not so much. Did well this week just gone, didn't do well and the week al- before. The thing with the Giants, they've already had their good run. Yeah. Right. So their good run was the start of the season. Essendon's where, it at, where it's at, and Parrish has been getting the ball, but he hasn't been doing well with it, whereas at least I think Merritt is doing well with the ball. So yep. um, you can also include, so I know it's Richmond from round 10, but Brisbane Lions showed him zero regard last season, and he got like yep. a 150 odd. So his average against the Lions is 114 and a half. Like, yeah, mids against the Lions are actually going pretty well. Because <laughs> so. well, Lions are just letting them rack up the pill too, yep. which is just crazy. And Lions are like, okay, well, we'll just give you the ball, and then once we turn it over, we'll just go fast. Yeah. So, yeah, go yeah, figure. So I, I like Meriden as a as an option yeah. for um, Took, or just an upgrade. That it's my number one option, and that, that's and that's what I'm getting in. Yeah, that's called a pod, ladies and gentlemen. Four percent. Yes. So he's my number one option. Obviously, the the, the danger is that this week they played Geelong. Um, so you don't, you know, that's not the great fixtures. But he, what I've said to myself is that okay, I want him for round ten at the latest, potentially round nine, right? So when's my next opportunity to get him? Next week I have to get Clary in. Like that's a it's a priority trade in. Clary's going to obviously drop down. He's got a one seventy two break even. I think it is a one seventy four. Um, you know, so you can't jump on even if you wanted Clary this week, you can't jump on him. I know that he's playing. North and then and you he have could say, go one seventy four. 
Sicily next week possibly as well. Yeah. So then it's like, when do you? Because Zach Merritt's break-even's 87. Yes. Which means if he goes well against Geelong. He's going Geelong, straight up. Geelong is scary as far as their forwards, et cetera, but they don't have a huge big midfield. That's going to yep. scare you, in my opinion. Exactly so, right. I'm not really scared of their mids so much as like, I, what I'd love to see is him go head to head with Dangerfield and just go, whoop, see you later. <laughs> Cedar, Cedarfield probably would be danger, no? Uh, I, if they make big, that mistake strong. again, he's just too powerful and too fast. That, that, that's not going to work. He needs to go head to head with Guthrie or someone like that um, in that midfield. I don't even know. I mean, Guthrie's been in now that midfield because he's been getting a lot of attention. So maybe that's the, they just follow that route and they tag Guthrie. That's that's what I would do. I mean, but I, I just don't. Sometimes I think either I overanalyze the game or like coaches just don't see what I see. Like, do am I the only one that sees it? That's it's just so weird. Like he's not able to go on the spread like that. He's just not quick enough. He might he can run out of game. Don't get me wrong, but he doesn't have the pace to go with them. So he'll get to the next stoppage eventually, but he's going to be lagging a little bit behind. Um, it's almost like they're searching for answers and they just go, oh, this guy's been doing really well. Let's just put him here and hopefully that'll do it. Yeah, well, Danger will kill him. In Danger's current form, Danger will absolutely ragdoll him. I, I, that's a bad matchup. I'd be I'd be licking my lips if um, if Geelong, they line up him next to Danger this week. It's just like, you know, him against someone like a Cripps, great. Tom Green, great. You know, they, those are the matchups, the big inside mids that aren't going to kill you on the spread. That's where you, that's what you want. But yeah, someone like a danger with the that inside outside burst is just it's just not that's not who you want. Dagoe, not who you want. It's not gonna work. Um yeah, so so my number one is definitely Zach Merritt in terms of trading options for the same reason that I was trading in day. If it's not this week at his price, then what, in three weeks you're paying six hundred plus K for a guy that's that you want? You know, I I don't like that option. So that's why this week makes sense for me. I was I was upset last week I wasn't able to get him because I would have loved to have get him for the Anzac Day game um, instead of Tuke, but obviously being suspended meant I couldn't get him. So I kind of get a reprieve, and now I'm locking that in. Um, well, that's the that's the brutal part of this because you look at someone you go like you know Tuke I like his buy they've got a soft draw so I'm like if I want to have him buy his buy then. And I have a soft draw. Then, if I need him, if I want him for his, you know, that that later before the buy sort of period anyway, because they have such a good buy, Geelong and, yeah. you know, and no, Gold that, Coast. So I was like, was well, I, I just have to. Yeah, I was like, so I just have to get him now. Like that was the logistics. Yep. So it, that was the right call. Like I think anyone, uh, he was a lot of the guys in the top thousand did the same move. So it was the right call to get him. It's just unfortunate what happened. I nearly made him captain, Chris. Oof. I know Literally, people that did. I had when two uh, sorry, when when Laird hit one thirty, I think it was one twenty nine. I was like, okay, so I just switched it across, and then later on, I realised that Laird actually scaled backwards, and then got a one twenty six or whatever. And then part of me was like, oh, would I have taken it if I knew it was one twenty five, one twenty six? Right. Whereas one thirty, I was like, oh, I've just got to take the one thirty and take the you know forty odd point loss or whatever I was taking fifty point loss on uh, your mate, bloody Bontempelli. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, shout out to Spiller as well, mate. He made him captain. I made him a little yep. memento. Poor Spiller. So moving across to the, um, to some rooks that you want to maybe uh, get out in that, of. In that midfield mixer, if you do have Tuke, are you going, if you don't have a Canelio, are you mm-hmm. going Canelio and freeing up the cash or are you going Merit? I know I'm definitely going uh, Merit and – there is a method to this madness. 
I think a lot of people will be in the same boat here. So this is probably a good conversation. I was just hoping to save it for the forwards, but that's fine. No, well, we uh, okay. My apologies, but I was I was speaking for myself at okay. this point in time. Selfish reasons, no, Chris. This is fine. It's fine. You know, our podcast generally they, they start in this way and we go this way, so it's fine. It's like a movie. Um, you start at the end, you work your way back to the beginning, <laughs> and then you work your way back to the end. Yes, we're back in Act Two. So the, the problem with trading in Canelo is not necessarily Canelo. I think that he's a valid trade in target. However, um there's a big change that just happened and that's Max Gorn. So Max Gorn is now, I think as of this 34. week, 34% forward time, meaning that the likely scenario is, is he probably gets forward DPP, which could mean that he might be the, it, by far number one forward or, or around that sort of 110 mark. Let's say that he he does what he did last year and goes, you know, 35, 40% forward and still averages, what did he do? 114 or something last year, right? Um, that would put him as the number one forward right now. So I think no, I think Dunkley and Sheasel, uh, 110, 111 or something like that between the two of them. And they would be, you know, two and three. So that has really curbed my thinking. The other thing is, of course, I want ruck cover and I was looking long-term. I was looking like way further down the track and going, okay, well, I'm probably going to want Darcy Cameron back if I want ruck cover, right? But would I prefer 500K to spend on Darcy Cameron in six weeks or 500K to get Max Gorn next week? I'm probably going to do that. So to me, I'm looking at um, – that's a, this is my next week's trades have already kind of sorted, hopefully. Fingers crossed everything going well is that I'll go Grundy to Gorn next week. And then at least, I, the worst case scenario, you know, get Gorn. He's serviceable for the next three, four weeks until round 11, is it? So End of round four, 11, five yeah. weeks. Yeah, four, five weeks. And then Gorn becomes F6 or whatever that may be. And then I upgrade to a, a, a premium rack from there. So still taking value where value presents, still trying to maximize points on field. Um and that's the way that I'm going. So I can understand other people's routes and everyone's got different teams and things like that. But that has put a hold on me getting Canelio because I already have, you know, Taranto, Dunkley. Oh, Taranto would be the the other. I think he's F1 at the moment. Um, Taranto, Dunkley, Rosie, um, Goulden. So Goulden could be one that luxury trade to, to Canelio, for example. Like if I had the trades, I'm potentially looking at, say, Goulden to, I think you could almost sideways that. I mean, is that points positive? Probably, but does anyone have the trades for that? Not at the moment. Probably not. Um, the other thing to note as well, Petraka um, was 34% just at the change. Oh, no, just he was actually – no, he was a forward eligible, I think, just before the change, maybe around that 34 35%. Um, and then I think he, actually he was forward. And then the round of the change, so round five – had mainly midfield and dropped him to 34% forward. So yep. we lost out, like lost out by 1%. And then the week just gone, he then also played a lot of midfield and he's now down to 31% forward. So the issue was, you know, when you play Essendon and you play, you know, Richmond, there's, they're, they're bigger teams. So you want Petrarca probably in the midfield mix. So we did speak already about preseason, like Clary, Petrarca, et cetera, playing a different role. And, I expect when they play some of these weaker teams, they're probably going to try and freshen them up by playing more forward like they do with any of the other weaker teams that they think they're going to roll. So when they played Richmond, it was like, well, they were losing for most of the game and they really needed him in that midfield more 
and I think that's where it sort of came from. Um, especially you know, yep. Clary not doing as well with attention, etc. So it's like, right, well, Petrarca's in there. So he's dropped to 31%. I actually expect him over the next five rounds with their their bunny run. Still scores well, but I expect him to play forward a little bit more because they don't need him in the midfield for that. Um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. The, the thing with Petrarca is, though, that there's a very, very clear definition between when he goes forward and his scoring capacity. And we've seen it over the years that it just drops off a map. It's nowhere near it needs to be. So, yes, he might be a valuable forward, but you'd be banking on the fact that he gets more mid-time later in the year for him to be a viable trade-in target. You saw that last year where he, you know, he's, he, they dropped him out of the CBAs, they were rotating him out, out of that, and then came back into it later in the year. And then his scores spiked. But there was, what, a six- to eight-week period there where he was like pumping out 70s and 80s and, and 90s regularly. And you were just scratching your head being like, dude, I can't believe I paid – what would you pay five fifty or something for him? And he dropped down to like four thirty or something stupid. Like I'm not interested in that journey. <laughs> like uh, I would need to have a bit more concrete evidence of that. Well, the good news is, is that when that change does happen, so I know Fremantle are a bit hit and miss at the moment, so they're not that great. But then you've got Carlton, Collingwood, Geelong, Giants, obviously you know hit and miss as far as that. Saints, Brisbane, and then Adelaide, Richmond again. So yep. if you start to come up against some harder sides. That's generally when they throw, you know, Clary Petrucca, these other, you know, smash them out with the CBAs because that's where you need your best players against the best sides. So I see against these weaker sides where they'll rest them a little bit more. Um, and if that's the case, if they start to play some of those harder sides, it's not really until maybe the last four rounds where they play a couple of these weaker sides. And um, I'd still rate him in against North maybe. So it's, it's an option. I mean, as far as, you know, Cornelia goes, another one is Mills as well. You know, 550K has jumped up to 29% defender status. So depending on where McCartan brothers are, where Rampy is, et cetera, if he goes another th- – he probably needs three rounds to get a, a decent enough push to get him over the line, I would say. So one to watch. Yeah, so definitely one to watch, but I don't think it happens based on um, how Horse likes to play him. Uh, but, yeah, I, we digress. Um, so there's not really too many, like, mid-only rookies that you sort of need to jump out of. Baker's obviously one that's – you could you could hold, you could keep, you could throw, like it doesn't really matter. Um, most of the ones that we have obviously have DPP. Um, of the Roberts and Johnson varieties, I think you just got to hold them. Uh, I don't think there's any point in trading them, so I think that we'll just make that stand now. You kind of need to be continually upgrading your side instead of sidewaysing rookies that haven't made any cash. Um, now is the time where upgrading cadence is the king. It's part of the reason why I'm not, and this is a good segue into the ruck line, um, I've got an option right now. I could go Brody Grundy up to Tim English and just, you know, call it quits with with the ruck dilemmas and just go, yep, okay. Does that solve my problem? Probably not. Um, because I then can't upgrade to the to the players that I want with the remaining cash. So I don't get to upgrade this week if I do that because I've spent my cash upgrading Brody Grundy. Um, that's not necessarily what I want to be doing. Um, or how I want to be playing the game. Still got to chase value where I got to chase value. Paying almost 700K for English doesn't do that. Yes, I understand that he's probably clearly the number one ta- the number one ruck by a fairly long way. But the points that I'm going to make up every week comes from my upgrade cadence. So being able to upgrade gives me the point difference between the players that I'm actually going to be doing. So I'm not actually losing points. I'm just upgrading other areas that are going to gain me those points in a different way until it gets to the point where everyone's upgraded and I don't have English. At that point, 
I have to have had him or have him in my team. Otherwise, now I'm losing 50 points per week to the competition. Does that make sense? That makes Excellent. sense. So everyone feels like you have to jump. And I was talking to someone at, at work earlier saying, well, he was talking about like LDU, should I upgrade LDU, et cetera. I'm like, why? You need to upgrade and around them. And, and these players that you brought in, you've already burnt a trade getting them in. They still have a high ceiling, et cetera. I was like, who would you rather, like LDU on field or you know, putting a Wilmot or a Filippo or one of these other guys on field? You're better off upgrading around it. And even like Parrish, I'd love to bugger off Parrish, but unfortunately I've got to keep upgrading the spuds of rookies on off my field before I try and actually make any other sideways or, or upgrade a loose term, a, a sucky premium. Leave yeah. it for later. No, exactly right. Um, so look, understandably, if you got Grundy and you've got the cash and you can still make an upgrade and you can you know, do all that, then go ahead, get English. Cause you know, that's, that's almost like a double upgrade in a single week. Um, I'd probably recommend doing that. I don't think there's anyone within 20 points per game of him right now. I mean, don't get me wrong, Darcy's one that you could look at as a sideways. I did actually have a look. Darcy's run is quite good. <laughs> like, they still play, I think, um, West Coast twice, which is obviously a bunny side for Rucks. Um, let me have a quick one, squeeze. Once, you mean? They can't play them three times in a year? That makes have they already zero. played them once? Oh, yeah. So yeah, they still already, have, well, yeah. That's right, yeah. So they still have the one game against them. Sorry. Um, so let me have a look at their ruck. His Do you ruck even know the here. game, Chris? Three yeah, so, times. So big O this week. Then they've then they've got Hawks, obviously. So that's it. Should be a really good matchup for him. Sydney, who's if Laddams is still there though. Hickey, um, I think, has like, started play. playing in the VFL. Yep. Um, Geelong. So sometimes Geelong put up a fight. Sometimes they don't. Um, then Melbourne. Um, Richmond, so who's racking by that stage? Um, GWS, Flint Sanity, Essendon, Dogs again, which he already proven to score against. I don't know, Chris. There screams a 50 in there at some point for him. Yeah. So that, so he still plays the Hawks twice, West Coast again, um, and and Sydney twice. So, you know, depending again, Sid, so Hickey's a big, big reliance on that in terms of the ability to um, – negate scoring but yeah he actually has if he's going to be able to stay fit and stay on the park there is a, a chance that he rivals um tim english for that number one spot i don't know how close he can get but he is obviously cheaper which does help so uh he is currently sean darcy 603 grand so almost a sideways from grundy so if you don't have the cash you could definitely go to that direction um i think it's viable there's the thing with holding Grundy and going to Gorn next week, which is what I'm looking at doing, is Grundy's obviously going to drop because his break even is 132. Now, he's not probably going to drop all that much, but he probably will drop, say, 20 grand. The thing is, Gorn's break even is 223 or something stupid. Like, it's it's insanely high. So regardless of what Gorn scores, he's going down. He's already dropped a hell of a lot of money. I think he's down at already 577. So he's already a downgrade option. I think he's tipped to drop another 60K in a single week. So, um, Do you think even, he, he gets rested this week or not? Nah? There's a chance that he does, yeah. Well, on a five-day break this week against North. They and he played go, like 85 86% time on ground as well. Yeah. So they, they may just go, look, we're just going to park the bus for you this week and then you know, bring you back next week. Um, in which case, obviously, Granny gets another chance at a good score again. Um, and then you can reevaluate next week. Um, or in two weeks' time. So there, there's options for both of those. 
But I do think that they, yeah, they, that's probably your three options. So you've got English, you've got um, Darcy, and then you've got uh, Gorn in once he drops. So those are really the only three that I would go. Outside of that, I think you're kind of clutching at straws for, for an option. I agree. So I think we've already touched, you know, Cornelio and the forwards. Um, I do want to touch on the rookies. So the first first one, Philippu. I'm I'm out of Philippu. And like, I did you watch the game? No, I didn't catch as much of this as I I wanted. I thought I was expecting a bit of a, a price, well, a, a rise from him um, with the suspension of um, old mate. What was his name? Uh, the other forward. 102k forward, they got rubbed out. Anyway, yeah, yeah. community, yeah, yes, yeah. So no, uh, so so a memory came in, um, so that was basically a like for like replacement. But what's happened is, so often he was that sort of half forward pushing up around the stoppage, or he did get you know quite a few CBAs. That's gone. Steel's come in. They've completely reallocated everything. Now Steel didn't even have that many CBAs this week. They they did try and ease him into the game. Philippou played, I would say, 90% forward. In fact, I'm going to bring up his heat map because I was just shocked. He every touched time. a little bit though, but he just didn't seem to score. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, just classic. Like when – the thing is with Filippo is that he's good when it's contested like in the contest and he makes good decisions and he's, you know, he, he creates time and space and that, that's, that's his, his value on the to wing. the team. Yeah. Got his ball on the wing, Chris. I'm bringing it up now. Hold 13 on. disposals, three contested. 13 disposals, man. Really? Yeah, mostly 30... uncontested, five turnovers. So pretty much butchered it when he did have it. Four marks, low time on ground, I guess 80 out of 40. So what's that? That's two-thirds. So what, 66% around that, 66 to 70% time on ground probably? No. 178 meters gained out of those disposals. Yeah. so lots of handballs. He did have one clearance from a stoppage. And yeah, some inside 50s, but yeah, not great. Um, I'm out. Only, I'm had out two di- only had two disposals inside the forward 50 as well. Yeah. So I'm completely out of the, put, the pick. The, the thing is that the way that, um, that Saints transition their ball, so when they're when they when they are transitioning the ball is that the the forwards do push up to the wing. So he may have been playing deep forward, but being up at the wing and then transitioning back and just not getting any impact for the forward center. And that, yeah, no, nah, I'm I'm completely out of the pick. Out of I've it. watched I've watched a couple of the games. I, I did see some of the game on the weekend, and I also feel like they're going to others instead of him inside fifty anyway. It's almost like they're kicking past him or they're kicking to someone else instead of him. He's not the main target. No, he's just he, – he has to he's win all there. of his own ball. Yeah, he's just there. That's the thing. And it's yeah. And the only way they'll give it to him on a lead-up is if it's like if it's his turn and he's the only one. But inside 50, I've seen a few times because I'm looking around, they're going inside 50, I'm like, where is he? And they've <laughs> literally kicked it from one side of the forward 50, entering, going across the goal face, and then Filippo is like on the other side. Or they, he's let the, forward, the full forward lead up, and then he's yeah. kind of coming across later. I like, thought, they're I think, just not going to him. I think late in the first or second quarter, he took a mark basically like, I think it was almost like just before the siren. It was like maybe 48, 50 out. And he's gone back and he's, yeah, I think he had no other option but to go for goal. And he completely shanked it and kicked it out in the full. Like I was just like, oh man, you could not be more annoying right now. 
Um, but uh, he just, was on 40 at halftime the other week, last week. Not the one just yeah. gone. And yeah, I mean, even last week, like last week he was on 55 at halftime and then ended on 67. So yeah, I, I'm out of the pick. I'm, I'm trading him out. I don't, I don't want to field him anymore. I don't want that. Um, and yeah, I'm just having a look at his uh, CBA attendances. Give me a look. I'd be because please zero. Nah, he was. Nah, I think he still had one. No, oh no, oh, absolutely yeah. zero. So he'd been floating last three weeks. He had 21, 14, and nine percent. Now that's not a lot, but that's an indication Something. that that's his role. He's playing that sort of half forward, you know, pushing up around stoppage. Dropped to zero this week. Um, just yeah, and then they had you know. Forty-two percent with Sinclair, forty-two percent Hunter Clark, uh, Gresham had twenty-nine percent. Seb Ross had forty-two percent. Uh, so, so sorry, Seb Ross had fifty-eight percent. Steele had forty-two percent, and then Brad Crouch with the most at eighty-eight percent. So that's interesting because Steele had like eighty-eight, ninety percent, didn't he? In preseason, so yes, easy, yeah. me, easy. So that that will be it. So over the next couple of weeks, you'll see that. That's what I mean. I think it's just only going to get worse. I don't think there's any more like mid time for him. So the role's going down, which means I think that there's more thirties, forties, uh, yeah, on the horizon. And that spike score that we were hoping for, that's not coming. It's it's just it's not. Um, so yeah, for me, I'm out of that pick. Um, ben Ruins obviously one you can hold. Chandler's obviously with that 85 and that easy run. You want to hold those two. Uh, who else we got in the forward? Green, line? Green got another 77, Again, so he's got a yeah, bit of time. A yep. lot of them have time. And that's the yep. thing. So if you are getting rid of one, it's kind of like, well, Baker against Hawks could actually do really well on the outside on the wing, uh, especially if it's – and they start to play a lot of game at Metricon as well because we know when they've had wet weather footy, he's been horrible. Like yep. he's just not a great kick of a wet footy. So put him you know, at uh, under Metricon Stadium and – is it Metricon still? Bloody um, – No, nah, they've rebranded to something else. Uh, it's like well, – yeah. I got tripped up Gold Coast. I didn't realize, as you were saying, Metricon is yeah. gone, rebranded. What was I saying Metricon before? Marvel yeah, well that, So the owners had to chip in like you know, $50 million to keep the company afloat this year. Oof. So builders builders all over the country are really suffering, but Melbourne particularly, they've really gone through it. So, okay. um, so I was thinking the 12th largest Marvel's builder in Australia, Porter Davis, and they went into liquidation like a week ago. So Yeah, brutal. Crazy stuff. Um, anyway, yeah, so uh, I, I, you're probably holding most of your forward rooks, um, but the trade-in target, really the only ones, what, Canelio, I mean, I know people are still looking at Zebel. So, what do we think about Zebel? I mean, are you, p- are you picking him up at four sixty-seven as a as a keeper? Uh, I think it's a risk at Zebel. Like, I, I like him because I've got him, but again, if everyone got him at three fifty and you're paying up like four sixty, I don't. I don't know if it's his for the season, and I know it's been great, and I know he's doing well, but I don't know if I'm paying full price for him. Like, I know you're are bigger you on him than I am, right? For for Zebel. Or four fifty for Will Day for the, essentially the same average. Hey, I think. Well, you know how I feel about Zebel, but uh, <laughs> like, as in, it's, it's a, that's a that's a hard question, right? It like, is. You know what I mean? Like, they're probably both around the same mark, but role who's worth more, Day in defence or Zebel in the forward line? Or I mean, you've got Zebel in defence, really. Like, you could yeah. also do that. But I don't want to peg them against each other. You know, they can. <laughs> I don't know what they do in their personal life, but pegging probably ain't one of them. So, um, no, and it's interesting. But then I'm like, well, do I want Zebel for that? Or, and with the influx of possible DPPs, and I say possible because we're still weeks away from the data 
and you'll yeah. know maybe two weeks before as to who's likely and who's not. So it's hard to gauge. But for me, I'd rather even um, – I still think gildan has got some value and they have the first buy. He'll probably bottom out closer to that first buy depending. Like he's he had a horrible round. He was pushing back in defense because they're, they're injured. Um, I don't know about I don't know about Zebul, mate. You're bigger Ooh. on him. You sell people. I'm I'm not I'm not uh, selling look, people to to pay that much for Zebul. I'm like you, man. I'm glad I got him at 350k and don't have to worry about any of this. Um, yeah, I don't know is the answer, man. Like I, I, I'm pretty confident that as long as he stays behind the ball, he's going to be able to average around 100. Like, thank you for that money, by the way. Um, but I just, uh, yeah, like, are you more worried with like Sheasel, right? No. Like at at uh, this point, you, you, you're paying for you are paying for a keeper, I guess, and a forward keeper that's going to average 100. That's 460k. He's probably the best value one there. Yeah, he's he'll probably previous... go 90 between 90 and 105 for the year for me. Um, are you are you worried with Sheasel because they're all kind of tied in? Sheasel and Hall. Now, is it Sheasel got attention? Was it Holman tagged him up a bit? Yeah. So Hol, Holman, ta- like, so he, so he. Yes, I am a little bit worried, but I, I, I will, I'll explain why. So if. So Clarko intended to play Sheasel the exact way that he'd been playing him the whole year. So it's not like Hall came in and changed his role. That was not the case. So he was tagged early and hard tagged by Holman. And then they just started changing him around and flick him. They flipped him on the ball. They flipped him forward. Like they tried different things. Um, did Holman saw, follow? Sorry? Wherever he went, did Holman follow? Yes. Oh, so, it was like Mary, Mary had a little lamb wherever you go. So the thing with the thing is with um uh I, I don't think he tagged him on the ball, but when he went forward, yeah. So the the thing is with Hall, then they switched him. Now he was playing uh wing high half forward, so he was like yeah forward of the play. Um, he was in like you know linking through transition and doing things like that, but he was much higher up the ground than the guys in defence. So he was not as a defender in that first you know quarter and a half or two or first half of the game. So, yes, I'm slightly concerned. I mean, you also have the issue that, you know, he had the strapping on his hand. So I'm, I'm sure it's like a bruise or a sprain or something like that that he, he was dealing with. He had a corky last week as well. So, you know, he's got a couple of things going on. He probably plays this week. I'm probably keeping him. I want to see the role at least. I know the break even's not fantastic. But yeah, 99. Yeah. I mean, look, what? It, so four of those weeks, he's he's hit that. So yeah, and you can afford okay. to watch this week and watch the role a bit more. Yeah. Um, and and I did caution people as well, saying, well, you know, Dacos was the same last year where I jumped off, and then all of a sudden he tails up. So you know the ceilings there, you know the roles there. So I'm keen to see how they use him again. Um, you know, he got some attention, so he kind of disregard that, saying, okay, bad score, but he got attention, which could happen to anyone, and it just shows how much they rated him to try and you know negate the amount of ball he was getting. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week. Yep. These don't generally tag anyway, so should be right. No, nah, exactly right. No, nah, should be right. Um, but I think that's pretty much us in a nutshell. It is. Not, a nutshell. Not, not like the 18-minute specials that you do, which are, by the way, amazing. Thank you very you much. You don't mind them? It was something I different. The, in a nutshell, um, uh, first week, so if you don't know, so it's pretty much just like in a nutshell, pretty much all the news from the week as far as like injuries or et cetera, et cetera, like anything that's been coming out. And I try and summarize it one minute per team on average, try to do all 18 teams in 18 minutes, pretty much like, Hey, if you don't have time, this is what you need to know in 18 minutes. 
first week I got 21 minutes. I was like, oh crap, I obviously went on about someone. And then, <laughs> um, and then last week, the one just gone, I was like, okay. So I just went bang, 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 all 18. And there was like 16 minutes, 30. I was like, oh, so then I was like, haha, I've got time to spare. So I just started like rambling shit. Um, yeah, so I'll be doing that again tomorrow, probably when teams are announced pretty much. Yeah, the um, what are we calling it? The In a Nutshell series. So pretty much in everything you need to know. I love it. Yeah, In a Nutshell. So something different, Chris. I love it, mate. And uh, something different is me beating you in Supercoach for the first time in a while. So thanks very much. It's okay. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm happy, happy for your success. And um, it's funny because you go through a year and I remembered some key lessons this year that I had forgotten. So <laughs> like, hey, free up maximum cash and bring in bloody Van Ruin instead of bringing in a $200,000 rookie in Clark because then it literally cost me an upgrade. So <laughs> that was, I was like, man, I was like, I'd love to get this guy. I'm like, oh, but I'm like 80K short. And I was like, fuck, Dude, I could have done with that 80K. Do, do you remember just last, this time last season when I didn't bring in Nick Martin? Cause I, I was at, what was that? What was that a wedding or something like that? Yeah. And I, I missed the uh, lockout of the game by like 30 seconds or something stupid. And then I had to get him in the next week. Cause he turned up that week. So first of all, I didn't have him. And then second of all, he turned up you had to pay so, overs. Yeah. I had to pay 200 grand for him. <laughs> Or something like it was like 190 or something like that. So there's a hundred grand bang for the start of the season that I just didn't have that everybody had, and I'm down a yep. hundred grand for the entire year. That is how easy it is to ruin a super coach year. It's crazy. Yeah, or you pick up two and make him captain like Spiller because that's a, a 40 a 40 point. Or remember, I think some people made Cornelio captain once and he got knocked down on zero. Like it's uh, easy to happen. So very very much easy it is what easy it is. to happen. Yeah, it is what it is. Look, we have fun with it. But um, yeah, definitely some nice little super coach learnings that, you know, when things go well, sometimes you forget <laughs> some of the <laughs> basics true. on how to do it. But, you know, and the good thing is, in the final thoughts, before you tell me, captains, because I'm going to listen to you this week, um, <laughs> is that big, I think your team, Swizz's team, my team, we're all slightly different. Now, Swizz is, you know, coming through pretty well as well. But I'm very much looking at value. So my strategy from here is going to be about value and trying to fill my team through opportunity. And whereas you guys are definitely going to be pu probably pushing the higher ranks in my opinion. So the good thing is, is that you can find someone who resonates with how you're going in your team and then get those other opinions as well. So I think that's why people like listening to our team pods, Chris. Absolutely. All right. So uh, VCC, mate, I think is um, is where we're at. So I think that, Part of the reason why I've had to really nail my picks is that I haven't been able to fall back on, say, a, a Tim English or a Clayton Oliver. So I've really had to sort of think outside the box in terms of um, what, you know, how, how to actually get that. Now, having said that, this week, the most obvious is, um, is going to be the same, which is going to be Tim English into Clayton Oliver. So obviously, uh, Bulldogs play the Hawks. So pretty good for, from a ruck perspective. And then, the game directly after is uh, Melbourne versus North Melbourne. So that's probably going to be the number one, I would say, by a long way. Um, again, the dogs do have um, – you could go Bont in that game, and that's probably where I'm going. Bont at Marvel probably is the VC that I'm going to go. Um, again, I need someone that's going to at least rival, say, a 130-140 score. So that's going to be my big variance um, ability and – yeah, the more people that jump on English, the more people that are going to VC him. Um, so you kind of hedge at my points making in that way. Um, as a captain option for me, I'm looking further down the week and I'm probably going Dacos against the Crows. So the one 
the one thing with that, and the last game of the round, obviously, which is, yeah, sometimes you don't like doing that in case you, there's a laid out or your captain's laid out or whatever it may be, and then you don't have any any other option, especially if you don't even have a player in that game, so you just literally have to cop your VC score. There's every week going to be conjecture about, is someone going to tag Dacos? Is someone going to tag Dacos? Is someone going to tag Dacos? And if they are, is it going to have an impact at all in his scoring? Because we've seen people tag him now once or twice and nothing's happened anyway. Um, Adelaide so far haven't shown the propensity to do that, but they do have the ability to do that. So they could say, do it with a say Ben Keys. Is Keys good enough to tag Dacos? I don't think he's going to be anywhere close to him in terms of running ability. Um, so for me, I would probably, if I'm Adelaide, I would you know, set up to do what what uh, what um, Brisbane did two weeks ago after quarter one. You know, try and block his runs and try and you know get in his pass for handball receives and things like that. That's how I would try and stop Dacos. However, right now, there is not a better player in the competition in form outside of potentially Tim English in the entire competition. And I would say he'd be leading the Brownlow by an absolute shit ton. I think he's got at least three best on ground so far this year, and he'll be picking up one and two votes in a lot of those other games. So I think they're saying it, probably fourteen votes could be what's oh happening at the man. moment for him. It's I'd love to see what his shorts his, his odds are right now for for Brownlow odds because and yeah the the funny thing is is that even after the game yesterday they said uh, commentators like hey so people watching in they're trying to ask like what's your role. And they're like, so what is your role? Because, and he's like, oh, look, yeah, it could be confusing for some. But he's like, but obviously I'm labeled as a halfback flanker. He said, however, I will go into CBA and do some pinch hitting there. Um, if you know they need some more impact on the scoreboard, then he'll push forward of center. And the whole thing is, is well, you know, they try and, which has happened against Brisbane, they need goals. They push him forward of center, kicks a goal or two. So if there's no one better to try and, changed the dynamic of the game yeah. than Dacos. So all it meant is that he just then had free run to pretty much, hey, like, by the way, follow the ball or whatever he was doing, push forward and see if it if it impacts. And if not, then everyone else will cover you behind you anyway. So that's where it's, he kicks um, the two goals. It's unique for someone with such a team-minded um, philosophy to have such a an approach towards a single player of get the ball in Dacos's hands. That is the entire team mantra. I reckon they have team meetings about it. I reckon at the start of the season, they came together and on the whiteboard, he goes up, how are we going to win this year? And he puts up Nick Dacos's name in lights and just says, this is how we're going to win. We're going to play him in this specific role. No one else is going to play this role. He's going to literally be able to go wherever he wants. And if you see him, you will give the ball to him. And that is how we're going to win games of football. I, I've never seen something like this. I don't think like, and it's so unique to us watching it and to punters and to the media and everything like that. That's why it's so fascinating because people can't quite grasp how he's able to do this with the system, not really suffering in terms of a lack of defensive accountability. He just burns them completely the opposite direction and he gets much more benefit from the, the forward gains and his ball use. Um, and I, I think the fu- the one thing that was spoken about as well is even the work rate. Like I know people might talk about, oh, oh. Not, yeah, defensive defensive accountability, but then when you see him, and even then the commentators are saying, well, where do you finish in? Like you must be winning time trials in the preseason, etc. And he goes, oh well, you know, it's easy when you see a ball. He goes, I just go after the ball, and <laughs> he, but no, as in he will chase it. So even as it goes downfield, he doesn't he doesn't stop working. He pushes down, and his work rate's really high. Yeah. His and ability to get from thing- contest to contest is ridiculous. Yeah. And seeing him live, which you missed out because you were sick, um, 
you know, they called him last year, they called him the footy whisperer. And I'm watching it and I was kind of looking, he was in the defensive line, I'm looking towards the boundary and he kicks this ball. I'm like, who the hell is that to? And then literally Collingwood player just keeps running and then literally hits it without breaking his stride. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, like the amount of vision he has. And then there was another one on the wing where you could see it, he was kind of like under pressure and then literally just turns and then kicks the ball like 40 meters inboard and hits a target. And it's like, how did you see that guy? So on TV, it's like, oh, yeah, no big deal. But then in live, you're like, holy crap. And then this week just gone, he did like this little, almost like a 360 pivot kind of thing and goes, oh, okay, someone's here, turn around. And then just goes, oh, and then just kicks it like 40 meters again to the center where there was a player free. Like his yep. vision's ridiculous. And then executing the skills on that vision is ridiculous. Yeah, the thing that I, I'm so impressed about as well, like whenever you see like the, the down the ground shot of him kicking, like so it's, you know, but the camera's behind him and you're watching the, the, the ball. I don't think I've ever seen like a more straighter ball kicked. Like it doesn't deviate from his foot. Like it, that's what's, you know, when you kick a ball, like I kick a ball or you kick a ball, it you goes in the, the air, and, you, know, you get yeah. to your target, but it curves in the air and, you know, it just never deviates. He's like the it comes off his boot, goes straight, and it just spins, and it just goes. It's perfect every single time. It's just it's crazy. Yeah. So, so you're looking at like ball drop. You're looking at yeah. um, biomechanics as far as like all the hinges and everything else moving in a straight line at the like speed ridiculous. that he goes at. Yeah. I, I just I've I haven't seen anything like it personally, like from in football, and I, I've watched football for decades, and I just can't tell you that there's anyone near him. In terms of, yeah, you know, ball use, work rate, ability, ability to find the pill and use the pill, like it just doesn't. Like, there's no one that comes close. There are better footballers out there, and I'm not saying that he's like Gary Ablett esque in terms of his, you know, ball winning ability. That's not. He's not the same type of player. But wow, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next ten years as a Collingwood fan. So, woof. Anyway, I'm glad yeah. we had five minute chat on how good Nick Dacos is because that Look, last quarter I mean, yesterday I mean, was just unbelievable. <sighs> I've been skeptical for a while, but when you watch him, you just can't hate him. Like you really can't. And oh. I know some people are trying and they're trying <laughs> to hate, but you know, he'll get to a point where he'll play pure midfield. And even he said like, Hey, after the game, he's like, you know, I want to be a pure midfielder. And he goes, I do understand when I'm a, well, he, he said, I do understand when I become a pure midfielder, I'm not going to get as much ball, but he yeah. goes, I hope to have more impact. His averages will go down. Yeah. But the, and the, the thing is, like, so even at quarter time yesterday, I think um, Lee Matthews, who I respect a lot, but he just got this completely wrong. So I think he had 11 touches by quarter time, and he said, yeah, but only 100 and something metres gained, so he's not really hurting you with his possessions. And then the fourth quarter happened, <laughs> and then he's just like, wow, Lee's got to eat those words, right? Yeah, three quarters later, he just showed I've no, that, that, that was the most impactful you know, quarter of football that I've seen in a long time from an individual player. Oh, I don't and know. Have you seen Horn Horn Francis? That fourth Brisbane. quarter he had was it Brisbane? The fourth quarter we just tore him to shreds. Yeah, I think it was actually. Yeah, yeah. thanks for that, Chris. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Well, the difference with Horn Francis is that you know when he kicks the ball, he just sort of shins it forward and hopes it goes to a target. And if it does, then yay points. Well, it's because he was a shin boner, right? Like, that's of course, that makes part sense. of the kicking. The kicking technique at North is to pretty much try and hit it high up, high up the leg. Um, and then get an erection is pretty much North's philosophy on kicking. So Chris isn't listening. It's okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, anyway, all good. Yeah, no, I agree. Sorry. Um, my, my partner's, um, currently picking up food and, um, she's like, what do you want? And I was, I'm just like trying to like text and yeah, it doesn't work that way. Did you say you want the day cost special? You pretty much, I want everything. I want everything all at once. Can I get 40 and two? Yeah. 40 disposal and two goals. Thanks, mate. <laughs>
There's not many players that do forty and two. I was saying it was no. like the like American football. Uh, no basketball, where you get like the triple. Was it triple double? Yes. Because I was yeah. like, well, he had. Well, Le- LeBron had a twenty twenty game yesterday, which is uh like in a in a playoffs game, which is just like he's never even got twenty rebounds, which is ridiculous. But I was going to yeah, say twenty twenty. So go. there's no one. There was no one watching. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Well, I think that probably uh, rounds us out. Uh, so yeah, uh, any additions that you want to make to the VCC? You like those options or? Uh, I think I'm going Bont into Clary, unless somehow I do burn some trades to get in English. So, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I agree. Nice work. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Easy dubs. Talk to you soon. Chris, you're doing your team pod today, tomorrow? I'll I'll do it tonight. Yeah. Easy. So you can double down. I did mine before Chris came on the line. So you check them out. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers, guys. All righty. Bye.